the message that the Lord put in my heart to share is daring to risk. And it's found in Mark chapter 9 from verse 14 to 29. So let's read it together. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whatever it, it sizes him, it throws him down, it foams at the mouth, it gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and to the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing, by prayer and fasting. I'm reading, if you notice, from the New King James, and I purposely choose the New King James this morning. I usually read the ESV because in the New King James you will find this last word that we read, fasting. That is not in the other version or other manuscripts. I will comment on that at the end. But what is important for us is to see how the power of God was shown through Jesus Christ in this episode. And it's interesting that Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you remember the episode when he went up with James, John, and Peter? And the glory of God came on the mountain and Jesus' face was transfigured. And he received approval from the Father. And uh, the appearance of Moses and Elijah uh, confirmed that Jesus was the Son of God. And you know, Jesus is coming down. And while he was up on the mountain, the disciples fall on the trap on arguing with the scribes. This story is about faith and doubt. While Jesus was coming down, 
the disciples argue with the scribes. And most probably because this father that was desperate brought his own boy to them so they could cast out the demon that was possessing this young boy. We read very clear that his sickness was caused by the possession of the demons, was affected by the power of Satan. And the purpose of this sermon today is not to look at the demon's possession. Maybe we'll talk another time. But the story, if we look at the old context of the passage, we are seeing that the story has to do more with faith and doubt. And daring to believe is something that we should have in our hearts more than doubts. Because many times doubts that we have on the power of God could stop us to believe. God intervention in our lives. And you know there is this progress in the life of those who believe in Jesus. We all start with doubts. We all start with a faith that is not strong. But as we approach the faithfulness of Jesus and we start to trust in him, the faith that is weak becomes more stronger. And this because the Holy Spirit lives in us and strengthens our faith. So the importance of faith in our lives and the Christian believer is so, so important. Faith is one of the most difficult topics to, to understand. How we can define faith? It seems to be so volatile as a topic. Nevertheless, there are things about faith that we should know. One elementary thing about faith is that without faith, we cannot please God. If we don't have faith, and faith in Him, of course, we cannot please God. This is what the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 6 says very clearly. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what we can take from this verse? First, that without faith is impossible to please God. It means that you have to believe. It means that you have to step in a unknown territory. Faith is not just jumping in darkness because the word of God is giving light of the power of God. Maybe we don't know how that power will be shown in our lives and that's why it's unknown. But we know that God is behind us. We know that God is there. So without faith it's impossible to please God. And then that God is the one that rewards those who diligently are seeking him. So this morning, if you have in your heart the diligence to seek for God, he will give you a reward. He will let you know that he's present, that he's listening to your prayer. Our God is not deaf. Our God is a God that listens the prayer of those who are seeking him. And don't believe the lie of the enemy. Don't believe... What he's saying to you is trying to steal hope from your heart. So this morning, I really encourage you to go through this story and we will take some lesson that will allow you to seek God diligently and receive something from him. This morning, I dare you to risk. Yes. Seek diligently God 
Amen? So let's begin this journey together. The first thing that I want to share to you, dare to raise by acknowledging you are inadequate. You know, when we understand that we cannot do things on our own, we also understand that there is somebody above us that could do something. And this is so important. We end up in failure when we rely on our own strength. Look at this picture here with the disciple. A few chapters before, if you go back in the book of Mark, they received the mission of Jesus. Go and do things for me. They went in mission, and Jesus Christ gave them the power to cast out the demons. So they rely on the past experience, and they thought they could do something without asking Jesus. They did the mistake to think that they own the power instead to be instruments of the power. This is our mistake most of the time, that we think we own the power, and so we rely on our own skills, on our own abilities to perform the things of God. But the reality is that we cannot do the work of the Lord if we rely on our own strength. We need to rely on God. These disciples tried to cast out the demon, and they didn't succeed. Instead to wait for Jesus and receive instruction for him, they decide to move on their own. And many times we think we know that we are equipped, and we forget to use God's discernment and wisdom. I want to give you a, good, a, a little illustration in the Bible. Do you remember Joshua, this great man of valor and uh, a great man, a great leader for the nation of Israel? He relied so much on his own discernment. One day, the Gabonites, a population that was living uh, closer to the promised land, they heard that the people of Israel were led by this powerful God and no one could resist to the people of Israel. So they thought, if they come in our territory, they will destroy us. So let's have something that we can survive. So they dress with old clothes, faking like they were coming from an old, far uh, country. And they present themselves to Joshua and say, Oh, Joshua, we heard the God of Israel has led you in this land. We heard the mighty things that God has done for you. So we are coming from a far country. Have mercy on us. We will be willing to serve you, to be your slaves, but save our lives. And Joshua didn't consult God. He took what the Gabonites are giving to him as a truth. He didn't test the spirit. He didn't test if what was done by the Gabonites was truth or not. So he welcomed them. And then he paid a price for this because he didn't consult the name of the Lord. And for centuries, the Gabonites were a thorn in the lives of the people of Israel. When we don't consult the Lord and we act upon our own discernment because we know the things that God has done for us and we forget that God is still on the throne all the time and is in control in our lives. We prone ourselves to failure. 
And yet many times we fail because, again, we rely on ourselves and not on God. This morning, the disciples are a very important lesson. Because they tried to cast out the demon from this boy and they failed miserably. And give the opportunity to the scribes and the Pharisees to argue with them. I can imagine how they took revenge on them. Oh, I thought you were disciples of Jesus and you could do all these things that he taught you to do. I can imagine how frustrated they were. Because they failed in doing the work of the Lord. And many times, church, let's be honest, we feel frustrated because we are not able to succeed in what is the work of the Lord. And we open ourselves and become so vulnerable to the criticism, the negative criticism of other people that don't believe in Jesus. And that's why Jesus, as soon as right, he addressed the scribes. What is the argument that he have with them? It takes control of the situation. And I want to bless the name of the Lord because when we fail, Jesus is ready to intervene in our lives and to show his glory. And today I have a message of hope for you and I that even if we fail, even if we came short of the glory of God, Jesus is willing to take over, is willing to take over, is willing to take the control. Just allow him to show his glory. So the disciples acted relying on their own strength, failed, miserable, and Jesus came in the picture. You see, in verse 29, 28, the disciple asked Jesus privately, why could we not cast out this demon? And it's interesting, if you look at the text, the grammar of the text, in the language is very clear, the emphasis is not on Jesus, but it, in that we, why could we not cast out the demon? Their emphasis still was not clear. Even after they saw Jesus performing the miracle, they had a wrong view of the power of Christ. Lord, help us to understand what you want from us. How we deal with the sense of inadequacy we feel in our Christian life. How we can overcome in a good way. You see, Paul, the apostle, is giving us a great lesson. He had a lot to boast himself. He was uh, educated in one of the best schools, the rabbinic school of Gamaliel. He was the best teacher on those days. He knew the law. He was a Pharisee among the Pharisees. He was the cream of the leadership, of the religious leadership of those times. He had a brilliant future he thought it was complete but then he met Jesus and his perspective changed completely he knew that he couldn't rely on what he he had learned in the past he knew that something happened that now it was no more Paul to lead his life but something very else was working in him and I like what he says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 4 to 5 he says, speaking about the ministry that he was entrusted with, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Listen verse 5 now. Now, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Paul learned the lesson. 
You see, when you learn that you cannot do something good for God in your own strength, you learn to trust God more. And you understand that your sufficiency is not because you are good, but because God is good in you. And you can do everything in Him that strengthens you. That's the gospel. That's the grace that we receive. And this is what Paul says very clear. Here's the way. Because we know that we cannot achieve nothing good on our own, then we can trust the one that could work through us. And often, I recognize my inability. And it's a good way, not because I put myself down, but because I understand that God is above me. And we should all understand that God is above all of us. How many times I say, God, I can preach effectively without you. But I believe you can work powerfully through your word as I preach the word. How many times I pray, God, I can pastor or shepherd the flock without you. I can counsel without you, but I believe that you can work not only through me, but in spite of my weaknesses and inability. That's the power of God. God is a jealous God. He will not share His glory with other people. What belongs to God belongs to God. We cannot take any, any claim of success. It's God working in us. We are instruments in His hands. So when we are approaching God to strengthen our faith, to dare to risk, we must recognize that alone we cannot be sufficient. So that's the first dare to risk. Then there's another dare to risk. Dare to risk when your faith is not the result of your power to believe, but on God's power to work. There's a huge difference. Again, I repeat, dare to risk when your faith is not the result of your power to believe, but on God's power to work. What I mean with that? It's not just the... Having faith. The power is not in believing. The power is in the person that we believe. I'm able to explain the difference. It's not that we can quantify faith. And you say, oh, I have a stronger faith. I believe. I'm, let me meditate. Let me concentrate. Mm, I have to believe. I have to believe. I have to believe. And things happen. No. It's where we place our faith. The failure of the disciple, it's a failure of faith. It's a failure of faith. Jesus rebuked and exposed the real problem that they had. They were faithless. Before being powerless, they were faithless. And let me challenge us. Not my little church in Italy. This morning I'm not politically correct. It's not the church that I have in Italy. It's our church. My brothers and sisters, let's challenge ourselves. Let's have faith. Let's not look for things to happen just because we think that we can change a situation on our own. But let's have faith in the power of Jesus. Let's have faith in his work. Let's have faith in our midst. Let's nourish faith. This story is telling us that unbelief is not just the problem of unbelievers. 
But unbelief can be rooted even in the Christian that have already committed a lie to Jesus Christ. That's the truth that comes from this text. Jesus was grieved by the lack of faith that he had. Again, back in Mark chapter 6, verse 7 and 13, Jesus has entrusted them the power to do things in the mighty name of him. And they came back happy because things happened in the name of Jesus. They give a glorious report. But now it seems that they have no more spiritual strength. It seems that they were not able to do anything. Because the disciples were faithless. Look again at what Jesus said about himself and unbelief in, uh, in verse 19. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring this boy to me. You see, Jesus was greed. And my brothers and sisters, we need to acknowledge that we are not immune from unbelief. Unbelief is rooted in our hearts deeper than what we think. There is unbelief in us. All of us have some measure of persistent unbelief rooted in our life that need to be challenged this morning. You can be a Christian and believe Jesus died and rose again. But at the same time, you can become a practical unbeliever in your life of every day. And we face our troubles, we face our our trials in the same way that an unbeliever will face. Let's be honest. And I'm saying that, my brothers and sisters, not because I want to judge you. Because before I preach it to you, I preach it to myself. We need to challenge our unbelief. We need to challenge it. For example, let me give you some example. We know that the Bible verses that God will supply all our needs. We know that one of the name of God is Jehovah Jireh. He provides for us. But how will react when we lose our job? How will react? Are we trusting God that we'll continue to supply to our needs? We know that God is the one that heals us. But how will react when sickness comes in our lives? Are we trusting God? How we put ourselves in his hand and saying, Lord, you know the best. I trust you in everything you do. How we react when there is a, a family problem, a relationship with our children, the way that we educated, we raised up, the way that maybe we can face when it will say, I want to leave. I want to do things on my own. Are we trusting God that the word that we taught will bear fruit in their lives, even when they depart from us? If we are not able to exercise faith in these small things, how God can entrust us with bigger things? Are we able to trust God in giving for the work of the Lord, in committing our service for Him, in seeing His glory coming to us? Because when God sees faith in us, He will reward us. What we read at the beginning of the sermon That is the reward of those who are seeking him diligently. So if we practice faith in our daily life with small things, God will entrust with bigger things. We want to see miracles, but we don't trust God for today. We want to see things happen, demons being cast out. But are we trusting God in the small things of our daily life? 
Do you understand my message? God wants us with a full heart. Not just 50%, 70%. We need to understand, my brothers and sisters, we exasperate the Lord when we persist in unbelief. There is another account in the Gospels. Do you remember when Jesus went to preach or share the word in his own hometown? Nazareth. Do you remember when he went inside the synagogue? People will not really welcome him. And we know that Jesus said, no prophet is well loved in his own town, in his own place. But there is something that caught my attention in the passage. That Jesus didn't perform no miracles in Nazareth. You know why? Because they didn't believe in him. We exasperate. Maybe it's a, not the best word to apply to Jesus. But what I'm trying to say is that Jesus is grieved when he sees unbelief in our hearts. And he cannot do what he's planning to do. So that's why it's so important that we open our hearts. Uh, Martin Luther wrote his famous commentary on the epistle to the Romans. At the beginning of that uh, commentary, he wrote something very important. He said that unbelief is the root and sub and chief power of all sin. It's a strong affirmation. But he said that all sins are coming out of the root of unbelief. When we are not believing. And I believe it's right. That's why unbelief is so terrible. Because it stops the work of God in our life. I, I was mentioned at the beginning of this sermon. That I have to ask myself equations. As a, I was interrogated and questioned by this text. I had to ask myself this week. What does persistent unbelief look into my life? Into my heart? I might identify some insufficient faith in my heart. And I have to repent for this. When persistent, trusting prayer is not my normal response to life's circumstances. I'm not talking about the prayer, good morning Jesus, good night Jesus, thank you for this food. I'm saying persistent prayer life. Are we depending on God in prayer? Then I have to inquire my heart when anxiety and worry begin to rule my heart. You know what I say that? Because no one of us is immune from anxiety and worries. Do you think because I'm a pastor I'm immune from this? No. I still have anxiety. I still have worries. But I have to learn to trust God. To deal with the pressure putting my trust in God. I can be an unbeliever when discouragement is allowed to live unchallenged in my heart. When the truth of the word of God, when the prayer, the faith, a rejoicing in God's goodness is not challenging my discouragement. In other terms, when I allow discouragement to take over my joy in the Lord. That's a sign of unbelief. Because I place my circumstances above God's joy, God's plan for me. And thinking that it's in control. You see, 
I give you this example because we all need to look deep inside our hearts and challenge our own unbelief. Challenge where we stand as a Christians. My brothers and sisters, God has amazing plans for all of us. But the key to get those plans realized in our lives is to have faith. To believe in Him. And this brings him to the third dare to risk. Dare to risk so that coldness doesn't define the depth of your faith. How many times we are cold in our faith? How many times seems that we have not more relationship with God? How many times we think that just because we have faith, the, the gates of heaven should be open for us? And we forget again that the power is not in our faith, but is in the person that we believe. So allow God to bring in us his plan as we depend upon God, even for sufficient faith. You know that faith is a gift from God. It doesn't belong to us. It's God that gives the gift of faith in our hearts. So even when we believe, it's not... <laughs> That comes from us. It comes always from Him. That's why we need to depend on Him in every moment. Look, let's learn from this Father. This Father gives us the right example on how to handle our ongoing struggle with faith. He brings His boy to the disciples of Jesus. They fail. This Father could leave the situation and say, you know what? I tried. I tried and I tried, he failed. Even Jesus failed me. How many times do we have people that come to church and are disappointed by the leadership, by the people of the church, by the institution of the church, and they forget to call the name of Jesus on them? This father didn't stop at the first entrance. He persevered because Jesus called him, bring this to me. And how many times God is taking our attention because we put our trust in the pastor, we put our trust in the brother, we put our trust in the church in itself. But God is a jealous God. He wants you. He wants your heart completely. He's calling you to trust Him. Bring to me. And when He brought His Son to Jesus, He asked this Touching prayer. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And when Jesus said, If you can, it's not simply suggesting that there, the man needs more faith, but that God is powerful enough for any measure of faith. Doesn't matter if your faith is small or big, God will always honor the faith. Because the, the power is not in the measure of faith, but it's in the person who acts. And of course, more is the measure of faith, more God will intervene. This bottle can contain 50 milliliters of water. I cannot put more, right? Because it will be uh, overflowing. But if I take a bigger container, I can put more water in time. Right? So the same is with God. God will always fill the container. 
Do you understand the principle? God will always fill the container. Now, if we have a bigger container, God will honor more. We'll release more. Why some people achieve more in the work of the Lord than others? Because those people have big containers in their hearts. And you know how we can enlarge the container? Removing things that don't belong to God. Most of the time our container is filled with human thoughts. Our desires are things that are not submitted to the will of God. But as we make space for God and we remove those things and we create more space for the Spirit of God to come, it will fill the gap. Remember, is the rewarder of those who are seeking Him diligently. Diligently. We must apply discipline in us. Now, this verse, all things are possible to those who believe. A lot of people abused this verse in different ways. Because they boast the power that God is willing to give on their faith. So if you just have enough faith, the miracle will happen. If it doesn't, well, you didn't have enough faith. But this is not what Jesus want to say to us my brothers and sisters God has a plan for our lives it takes more faith to believe that God is still in control even when we are not answered in our prayers that believing in the miracle in itself and you know it's a sign of unbelief when we are putting our plans on top of the plan that God has for us Because we think that we know better than God. But God has promised to be with us in every season. And if we trust him, he knows what is the best for all of us. He's in control. And that's why it's everything possible to those who believe. Because if you believe in God with such faith, he will give you the strength to go through every situation. Every situation. There is nothing that God's power cannot allow you to go through. He's faithful. He's the God that stays with you in the moment of joy. But also is the God that stays with you when tears are coming out of your eyes. He's the God that is with you when you are in the abundance of the material possessions. But also is the God that stays with you when those things are missing in your life. And it will give you the strength to go through. Paul, the great apostle, says, I learned to abound in Christ. I learned to lack also. He is with us in every season. That's the God that we serve. So that's why we can trust Him. And we can look at Him in every moment of our lives with full confidence. Full confidence. This father came to Jesus. And he put all his trust in him. Look what outstanding confession of faith this man has. After being rebuked by Jesus for asking him to help if he could. The man was willing to submit his will to Jesus' will. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears. Lord I believe. Help my unbelief. In other words I do believe in you. Though I still have a lot of doubts in my heart. But I still believe, Lord. I can understand why this man had so much doubts. Because 
There was a lot of uh, suffering and pain in this life. We don't know the reason why uh, the demons took possession of this boy. We have no clue. But it's happened. And try to imagine having this continuously for years, risking to see your son dying. For years. Because when the spirit was taking over this boy, it was throwing him on the floor and the fire and the water, trying to destroy him. This is what the Bible says. And this reveals the plan that the devil has for our lives that is opposite to the plan that God has for us. While God has planned to bless you and not to harm you, the devil has plans to destroy you, to steal from you. But our faith is in God. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What a great, great prayer. And this prayer was done sincerely, with tears, with tears. You see, my brothers, there is a big difference between believing and having faith. The Word of God says in James 2.19 that even the demons believe. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Having faith is something more than believing. It's applying that belief in your life. I love what Romans say about a great man of faith, Abraham. Romans 4, 20, 21 says, talking about Abraham. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. You see, wavering comes from unbelief. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. That was the faith. That was the difference from believing and having faith. That's why Abraham is considered the father of faith. Because he didn't waver. He held on on the promise of God. And because of that, he obtained. My brothers and sisters, let's continue to pray. Let's pray that God will increase our faith in us. And I understand something. And I go back to the last verse. When the disciples privately, they were ashamed. They were humble by the presence of God and the power of Christ. So in private, they asked why we were not able to cast out the demon. Jesus says this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I know that many older manuscripts excluded the call of fasting. But I choose purposely this translation, the New King James or King James, because it's teaching also something very important, the power of fasting. Something that is very important to understand. Fasting and prayer are not for the purpose of manipulating God to do what we want. That's not the purpose of fasting. You know, we fast to humble ourselves before God. And to hear Bader's voice. And to say, God, I submit my own body. Depriving my flesh from food. So I can focus more on you. And fasting without praying is not good. It will be just dieting. Fasting is always accompanied by prayer. Again, not to manipulate God. 
but to humble ourselves before God so we can hear his voice speaking to us. But most of the time in the Bible, the fasting is towards the intercession of others. Fasting for the country, fasting for the people of God, humbling themselves so God can intervene in the midst of his people. So fasting and prayer is important because we are not manipulating God, or we force God to do something, but because we humble ourselves so we can hear God speaking to us and welcome his plan. Let me close with some short application. As we conclude, let me ask you, where are you standing now? What challenge and burden do you carry into this place this morning? I don't know how you came here in this place, but God knows your heart. My question is, do you believe? Do you pray as if your life depends on God or do you trust in yourself? And I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a, a good self-esteem. No, that's not the point. Are you trusting God? Or are you trusting your own ability to overcome? Let me remind you that God is not nearly concerned about your circumstances as he is about the disposition of your heart, of my heart. So this morning, as we leave this place, let's dispose our heart to receive from God. As I was saying before, let's have a big container. Let's remove things that are stopping God's flow in our lives. Let's remove roots of unbelief in our hearts. And first application is this. Confront your unbelief or doubt. If you have a, a sign of doubting God, just pray to the Lord to help you to see specific areas in your heart, in your life, that you can deal with. Not in your own strength, but allowing the power of God to remove the root from your heart. Confess your weakness to God. And hope and pray and be sure that he will intervene. Then submit to God's call to change. God doesn't want you to abide in that condition. The enemy maybe will say to you, oh, there is no way that you will escape from the condition. No, God is challenging you to change, to move. If you discover that you are staying in a ground of unbelief, believe to change. There is power in God to change. There is power that you can move from a position of unbelief to a position of believing. This is what we learned this morning from this man. And then, be accountable. Find someone who has gone far in the Christian walk. Trust somebody that is proved as a mature person in the Lord. There is no way, my brothers and sisters, that we can grow in isolation. God put us in the body of Christ. Let's be accountable to one another. Let's be accountable. Let's be accountable and be challenged. Because God will answer your desire to grow in his faith. As the Father. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Can we stand in God's presence?